into the contest. It's Tuesday the 3rd of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And with all these footy clubs, I, I speak of a world game coming to Australia. I've booked some tickets to go see Man United and Crystal Palace in Melbourne in the July school holidays. And I tell you what, my son is very excited. My older son all over it like a cheap suit, Shane. It's, it's great to see these internationals at play. Well, mate, I hope you spent a few bucks and got him tickets right behind the dugout, mate, so we can sit there and see the players live and up close. Mm, yeah, well, I've, I've extended. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to be at least in the ground. Um, yeah. You know, never want to spend too much money. No, but uh, look, there's no bad seat at the MCG, so looking forward to that. Look, it's it, this is interesting, this uh, bombshell AFL umpires mm. report. We're going to talk about that. Um, Newcastle, Caelan Ponga, what is going on? And Novak Djokovic, uh, heartbroken over the Boris Becker story. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Some worrying news has come out of this uh, AFL umpires report, hasn't it, Shane? Some of the behaviour of individuals. Yeah, very much so. And um, they're looking into it now. Particularly, it's it's quite difficult because you've got um, change rooms now with both male and female umpires. And they're saying, some of the reports coming back are saying that the men are just stripping down and and changing straight away. So there's there's a real toxic culture there. Um, And even sexual harassment claims have been made. Um, So this needs to be fixed fast. There's also reports of, um, you know, uh, crowds saying inappropriate things. Now that's very, very hard for the AFL to to monitor and to um, and to stop. And I know as a player, you do cop a lot of abuse when you're on the field, um, particularly when you play overseas. Um, but you think we're in a society now where hopefully you pass that, and, and particularly at the AFL too. And there's a lot of kids at the ground. You don't, as an, an adult, you don't want to be screaming that stuff in front of kids. So. We, we need to, as a society, look at that as well. Yeah, particularly when you guys played in New Zealand, for some reason, cricket, uh, Australian cricketers in New Zealand cop it. Some even get a salmon in the back of the head like Michael Bevan did. <laughs> but um, staying on AFL for the time being, um, what do you make of Richmond at the moment? Of course, they were a colossal football team, weren't they, just a couple of years ago? Dustin Martin firing, winning premierships. They're sitting just outside the eight at the moment. Um uh, where where are you at with Richmond? You know, the, we see the story about uh, returning Tiger Kane Lambert wants uh, Jaden Short to remain in the midfield. Where, where are they going? Well, you, you've got two superstars um, of the former era where they were very successful, as you alluded to, then in Trent um, Cotchen, mm. the captain, and Dusty Martin, who are both out injured at the moment, or, or Dusty's out dealing with mental health issues. I think it's given Damien Hardwick a real, um, the coach, a real good opportunity to, to look at some options. Um, and he's, in, he's introduced speed, some young guys and some speed into the team, and it made a big impact last week. Um, Jaden Short, they sort of experimented with him in the midfield role, and it's really, really worked. And I think the, the introduction now of speed in and around the midfield for them 
is the way forward. And I think you just got to see some of these older players who are just a little bit slower than they were, even though they've got great ball skills and that sort of stuff. Um, there's no um, uh, compensation for, for speed at all. And uh, it's definitely quickened up their team and, and resulted in points. Interesting, uh, the Melbourne Demons are changing their name for the Indigenous round. We've seen all sorts of jerseys and, uh, you know, clubs, um, getting really involved. This this is this is one step further. Yeah, well, they're changing it from Sir Doug uh, Nicholas Round and, and the AFLW Indigenous Round to NAM. Uh, encourage discussion, I suppose, around the Indigenous history of the club and and the game itself. And they're introducing a new logo uh, and a playing strip as well. So it's a big, big move, and a, I think a fantastic move from the Melbourne Football Club. Yeah, NAM is the the Indigenous word for Melbourne. Um, yep. And uh, they are they are flying, are they? Even without those COVID uh, affected players, uh, another win for them. Mm. They sit out on top of the competition after uh, being the reigning premiers, and look, they're looking pretty hot. They're they're looking hot. Newcastle's looking not. Um, uh, Caelan oh. Ponga is even getting in, into trouble in interviews now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Caelan Ponga. I'm I'm a bit confused. I'm very confused, and I think I think the supporters are, and I think Matty Johns uh, called him out just yesterday on his show and said that he really thinks that Caelan Ponga should not be the captain, and I agree with that. Some players are very good players themselves. I played with a lot of a lot of those sort of guys in cricket. Yeah, you know, Michael Bevan was a great player, not a great captain. Um, Greg Matthews, a great player, not a great captain. So I think Caelan Ponga stands um, alongside them in terms of captaincy. And I think um, they, they, they need a new leader, particularly when you're, you're giving interviews off the off the paddock um, at the end of the game. So, yeah, good call. I think he needs to concentrate on his game himself and scoring points. Oh, look, Michael Bevan, oh, look, we, I don't know we bring him up again. Mm. But he was such an intense player, but when he was that captain, and, and obviously I, I was reporting uh, very much hands-on back in those days, it was like he was going to internally combust. <laughs> yeah. He was that intense. Yeah, and look, and some players can handle it, some players can't, and and I think what Matty Jones was saying about Caelan Ponga is that I don't think he has the breadth and the width, and even probably the mental capacity to to take on the leadership role, which includes looking after other players, being cognizant of what they're doing and how they need to perform. And yeah, and I think uh, if they want to get the the million dollars a year. A value out of him. They need to take the captaincy away from him. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to watch this space with interest uh, with Kalen Ponga. Um, now, what do you... Th- yeah, you got four weeks for that um, spear tackle, uh, Lawton at Manly. And I look, he deserved it, didn't he? And I think that uh, most people in yep. the NRL... Uh, agreed that that was what needed to happen. He needed a, a lengthy suspension, a suspension. There were some dissenting voices, but I, I think they'd be pretty much drowned out by others. Well, I was watching this game live with two mates of mine, Arby and, and Hodjo, and um, and at the time it divided the room. I thought definitely uh, he needed to be sent off. Mm. I think Arby had 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 some money on Manly, so he wasn't very happy with them being sent off. But to me, it, it can result, and Graham Ashley said this, even though that some people think it was a just poor technique that resulted in the sort of spear tackle, he said it could give catastrophic results. And I totally agree with that. You can break someone's neck, and I think it got to a point of tackle where at the top of him being tackled in the air, he still it still felt to me that he drove him towards the ground, and that's how you can break someone's neck. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, Money does talk sometimes it when does. you're watching sport. <laughs> it's amazing uh, how, what sort of uh, commentary you get on jockeys when uh, you're on a horse that comes forth. Um, absolutely. Now, Ange Postacoglu, they're not coming forth. Uh, uh, the the 
the update on Ange, um, he's coaching Celtic and uh, it's just screaming along, screaming along. Yeah, it is. And they just had a draw with the Rangers. Uh, so they're still six points clear, mate, three games to go. Um, if they won that game, they would have been nine points clear and they've won the title. But uh, I think one more win now will secure them mm. the title. Yeah, absolutely. And Postacoglu uh, probably be good if he was back a Socceroos coach right at the moment, but that's not yeah. to be. Stay with us. We're going to have a, a good chat about the tennis, the boxing and the F1 and much, much more. Andy Murray uh, isn't the only one. Rafael Nadal also not agreeing with Wimbledon's ban on Russian players and and those from Belarus, the Belarusians. Uh, uh, have they got it right or wrong? Well, uh, as Andy Murray said, he's not supportive of Wimbledon banning Russians or the Belarus, mm. but he says he doesn't have the doesn't have the mm. right answer. Um, and I think a lot of people uh, probably agree with that. Um, is it unfortunate for these young tennis players who are going to miss out because there's a war going on from the country of their birth? Um, it's probably not fair, but, you know, I think we need collectively to be doing as much as we can to, to stop the, the horrible uh, things being committed by, by the Russian president at the moment. So um, is it right? I don't know either, mate. Yeah, well, well, I think it's right. I think they need to, and it sounds mm. harsh, I know, from sitting on the sidelines looking at these guys yep. who have devoted their life, but... There's there's horrific collateral damage in in a in a theatre of war. So to try and stop it, you need everything to happen. And sometimes there's collateral damage, and that's what this is. But yep. you know, I, yep. I agree with them. I think they're doing the right thing. Um, now Novak Djokovic, you obviously idolised Boris Becker uh, when he was younger, and he says he's heartbroken over the whole story of his demise and his jailing. Well, he says he's heartbroken. Um, Novak uh, was coached by Boris Becker. I think over for three years, uh, he won six major titles during that period, including back-to-back Wimbledon's in 2014-15. If he's that heartbroken, maybe he should get his hand in his wallet when he gets out of jail and look look after his old coach. But, uh, yeah, he said it's going to be very, very tough for Boris being in jail for two and a half years. And um, he said just what he did for him personally uh, on the court and made him the player that he is today. So... Hopefully Novak, he's got a he's got a big purse at home. He can probably look after his mate when he gets out of jail. Yeah, Conor McGregor's got a bit of money as well, hasn't he? And uh, so has Jake Paul. <laughs> and uh, this is you know, there's always a little bit of mudslinging going on in that part of the world. And and Jake Paul's had a had a swipe at Conor McGregor. Well, not not many people can stand up to Conor McGregor both in the ring or um, or verbally, but uh, Jake Paul definitely can. Mm. And Conor McGregor was saying during the fight between the, the girls, uh, Taylor and Serrano. He said, who the F and hell is the guy in the pink glasses? And then Jake Paul just responded with, well, he's done more for fighting than you've ever done. He's won five fights in the past two years. You've, you've lost five. Uh, and he isn't owned by Dana White. So, um, yeah, he's, he wasn't uh, backwards at coming forwards, that's for sure. Muhammad Ali, look, he was the greatest for so many reasons. Obviously, he was an amazing boxer, but his words, his persona, his character, I mean, all that stuff in and around the, the rumble in the jungle and, you know, those the, the, those press conferences where he gets, I'm so bad, I make medicine sick, you know, and we're watching the growth, uh, not so much outside the ring, but inside the ring of his, his grandson and... Um, uh, he's had he's had another stunning KO victory. He has. He's well. He was on debut in Vegas. Uh, mm. Nico Ali Walsh and uh, one with knockout, one punch knockout, 
And um, yeah, he looks good. He's um, he's tall. He looks a bit like his grandfather. Um, he's fast. Um, he's obviously got some got a real pack to his punch. So uh, be interested to see how this this kid goes in the future. Impossible to live up to your grandfather's feet. Um, I think as the greatest sportsman of all time. But at this stage, he's looking pretty good and he's doing all the right things. Yeah, he's come through. He's been boxing for a little while through the juniors. Mm. And, uh, yeah, hitting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes in the big time. Now, uh, the American football... Um what, what about this? What about this story about this <laughs> legend being told to hurry up during an on-stage ceremony? They usually like the academies. They start playing that music, don't they, on the piano? Ding, ding, ding! Like get off. Well, the Academy Awards, they, I think the microphone just disappears into the floor. That get, gets mm. rid of him. But uh, Ed Marinaro, the former uh, NFL legend, uh, was up there during the draft and was supposed to just say a few words and introduce a few people. Well, he t- he took the chance to get up there and regale stories of his youth and uh, and how he was going and some of the. Um, um, the good times he had both on and off the field. And they basically just walked out and sort of dragged him off the old cane around the neck almost, you know, exit stage right, stage left even. Well, I, <laughs> it reminds me of a story at the Bradman Foundation, and it was ironically the last time I ever hosted this particular dinner. But um, Kamal, Kamal was singing the national oh, anthem. And um, they had asked Kamal not to tell the joke that he wanted to tell. And as the MC, yep. myself and Michael Slater at the time, we were told – if he goes on to tell the joke about Sachin Tendulkar, we're going to kill his microphone, so you guys need to pick it up. <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, advance Australia. So he finishes that, and then he, he breaks straight into, well, I, I thought I'd tell you a story about the wonderful Sachin, and then and then nothing. It was like Marcel Marceau. Why are people so unkind? There were 700 people there. So I'm thinking... I'm not going to, because the way that people see it is they're going to blame the MC. So I put a microphone under his mouth and let him tell the joke. It wasn't the world's funniest joke, but at least the the, the night went on. I uh, hasten to say, I never hosted another Bradman Foundation. <laughs> but uh, let's finish on a little bit of cricket and uh, female umpire, the first ever female umpire. Well, it just got me thinking, particularly that first story about what's going on in the AFL and uh, you know, mm. the sort of the sex is. Uh, sexual harassment sort of stuff. I remember, um, and I'll just say her first name, she was the first uh, female umpire in Sydney Great Cricket back in the early 90s. Her name was Steph. Um, she, yeah. And I thought she was a fantastic job, but the amount of sledging she copped from, you know, uh, the male players in the field, I, I, I remember I was only 15 at the time. I thought it was appalling. and You wouldn't speak to your mum like that. Um, and and she was she did a lot for uh, a particular female sport in this country, and she just took it on like took it on the chin basically and just copped it. And she she just said, I remember saying to her once, is you know, I, I remember apologising almost to her on behalf of the team, and and she said, look, it's just part of the game. You know, I'm just lucky to be out here, and I, I love the game of cricket. And if that's what it takes for me to be part of it, then that's what it takes. And I just thought it was a, an amazing attitude from her. Yeah, well, thank God we've come down the yeah. road a lot and a yeah. long way since then. Um, and, you know, some of the disrespect shown in the past, hopefully we're just going to get better and better in that space. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. And our brilliant producer, Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building. 
Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.